Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Scroobius Pip and this is the Distraction Pieces Podcast. We're on to episode 12. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas break and thoroughly enjoyed our extra special Simon Pegg Christmas special. Um, Yeah, it was great fun to talk to and the reaction has been amazing to watch online as well. So thank you all for that and thank you for sharing. Um, This week's podcast I'm equally excited about. Um, It's Killer Mike uh, of Run the Jewels, who um, are Run the Jewels have are a rap act that have killed it this year. They got um, Pitchfork's album of the year, Rolling Stone magazine's rap album of the year. Um, they've been absolutely clearing up, but Killer Mike has also been a very important v- a voice, which I will get to. But I should do our adverts first. Um, first of all, we are brought to, to you by Speech Development Records. That is my record label um, that gets m- mentioned in this podcast. In fact. Um, featuring acts like B. Dolan, um, Sage Francis, War and Peace, myself, Polar Bear, Giacomo Brown. There's loads of good stuff. Check us out at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We are also brought to you by onit.com. Now, Onnit is a human optimizational website where uh, they sell a lot of battle ropes and, 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 and fitness stuff and supplements, but then they also sell stuff to kind of get the most out of your your brain and thoughts and mind. So there's there's a thing they have called Alpha Brain, which I've used numerous times in the past, which is uh, a nootropic, which it's really interesting um, developments. Um, there's questions over it, but th- thankfully the people on it have um, all sorts of information on the website and tests and kind of sh- showing that if you want to be skeptical about it here's here's the open and honest truth so uh check that out they're good um and you can support the podcast by buying from them via onit.com slash scroobius pip that's o-n-n-i-t.com slash s-c-r-o-o-b-i-u-s-p-i-p so go and do that you get 10 percent off as well if you if you do it that way so check them out but another way to support the podcast I keep meaning to mention this more, is by subscribing. Um, you can subscribe on Acast, you can subscribe on iTunes, um, at distractionpiecespodcast.com. If you subscribe, it really helps us out because it, it helps us with our numbers and figures and it helps us keep doing this for free. It's, it's a way that you can help with the podcast, but you can do it for free. Um, yeah, so basically please go and subscribe but onto this week's podcast we have killer mike as i mentioned hugely successful this year as a rapper around the jewels of been touring the world um and it was amazing to get a chance to sit down and, and talk with him as you'll hear in the podcast he he went all out and kind of allowed me to come back and ch- and ch- chat to him for over an hour um after a, a sold out show at coco so he was exhausted but um we had a good chat He's also been, as I started to touch upon, he's also been a huge voice um, and a hugely important voice in the in the black community this year because of all the stuff that's been go- going on in Ferguson and just in America in general. And this podcast, genuinely, I don't think I've done one where I've been as taken aback by some of the things said and some of the few views expressed and ways in which they are expressed he's an amazing talker and happens to be able to to rap like a motherfucker as well so um yeah i hope you enjoy this i'll be back at the end to tell you what's going on next and what's on next week's show which is another hugely exciting one so yeah see you in a bit Distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction
One, two, one, two. Yeah, we're good. All right. You sounding good? You feeling uh, good? I feel good, feel good. Do I need headphones too or what? I've only got one pair. No, I got cool. a pair of beats. That's why I'm asking. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, you're good. Cool. I'll keep an eye on the levels and that. Okay, no problem. We're good. So we're rolling. I'm, I'm, I'm here with, with Killer Mike. And I am rolling, literally you've, rolling. You've kindly invited me into your hotel to get this, this interview done. Yeah, no Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's some dark shit going on already. Here. God bless you, man. God bless all cars, man. But, um, yeah, you've just... I mean, we should start off with what's just happened. You've just... Tour Come off stage London. basically at Coco and it's been that was crazy. That's one of the the, the hypest crowds I've seen Thank you, man. on a London show. That's it's, a real compliment, man. It's I'd amazing. I'll be wanting our shows to look like after a football game. Like, yeah. Motherfuckers just wilding. That's my goal. Yeah. But to take care of each other, not burn the big city down. But. I mean, that's what was cool. There was that kind of community feel as well there was the rowdiness but it seemed like everyone was yeah, on fam. the same page it's fam. like i want kids to come out and rage and get that energy out just because man you got to there's not a lot yeah. of places left in the world where you can just get it off like that but at yeah. the same time we want to make sure everybody goes home safe you know what i mean so it's important man it's important people absolutely. struggle to admit and acknowledge that there's stuff to be angry about hell yeah so people is. need you know it's important to, to get, to get out. that out and to use that anger absolutely um, absolutely where you can um but how do you find or how are you finding it all at the moment it's been a crazy year for run the jewels and it's only been seven weeks in terms of the album album rtj2 is only it's only been out seven weeks yeah you know we just have not stopped the momentum from rtj1 yeah it's just been a constant flow yeah so i mean i I wish i don't know how it's changed i can say the crowds are bigger i can say the energy is more intense we don't have to tell you to put the pistol and fist up anymore but yeah like I, we haven't sat still to see, you know yeah, what I mean? If yeah, that makes any completely. sense, completely. You'll get, um, and you're not gonna. I was, I was gonna say, uh, when you get some time to rest, you'll get to take that in. But you're not taking much time to rest. No, nah, so we're going home for you'll three get to or four back days. Back at some point, and, yeah, we go home for three or four days, and we go to Australia, and then we leave Australia after the middle of January, and we yeah. come home and get back to work, mess around, tinker Damn. around, see what's up. The whole, I mean, you touched on the whole the uh, throwing up the pistol and the, and and the fist that. How how enjoyable has that been kind of happening? The fact that you've kind of, it seems almost unintentional. You've stumbled upon a great bit of marketing and, 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 yeah, and, and, yeah, and promotion we, there. It's kind yeah, of. Yeah, we didn't sit down and just be like, you know what we're going to do? This is going to be dope. Like, yeah. you know, we just, we, you know, um, L had an ill name and run the jewels. We went with it. He, um, the pistol and fist was something that is just dope. Nick Gasson is the artist who, yeah. um, art editor over at Vice. He, um. He sent it over the illustration. We fell in love with it. And from the first one, that's just zombie hands. When we did the European release, it was skeletons of yeah. the zombie hands. Yeah. And then it evolved into the mummified zombie hands. So, you know, that's it. You know, you, you can't... Your your work makes a symbol powerful. So the connection between us and the audience has made the symbol very powerful. It's, com- it's completely true. I always hate the discussion of, 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 of what's a good good band name. A good band name is attached to a good band. If you're exactly. a good band, then you're, if, exactly. if you're a good band, then your band name is a good good exactly. name. You know that exactly. kind of happens naturally. So, I think it's that combination of the artwork just f- f- fitted and 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 the album kind of followed it up. But I, I mean, how have you seen the difference? Obviously, the first time I I, I think is was your first stuff was on Outcast on Stankonia on, yeah. on the whole world and yeah. and stuff like that. And then you've been. You know, you've been doing it a long time and, and building your experience. But Absolutely. For, for me, I don't know if it's only over here, but it felt that uh, uh, hooking up with LP on, on rap music, 
seem to pull a certain amount together and then run the jewels just seem to 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 follow that beautiful crisp jab up with a quick combination basically yeah it's like um you know Elle and I were introduced to one another through Jason DeMarco and we we did rap music and and it was you know it was a classic album perfect yeah. album and we, he featured on rap music I featured on Cancer for Cure then we hooked up and we did Run the Jewels 1 as an homage to the modern rap group or the classic rap group in yeah. modern times we wanted to replicate most strongly what I felt like EPMD had like a real partnership yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a, real, yeah. a real dope sound and um, it worked like our idea worked as the homage, but halfway through the tour, we noticed that we were playing, we were opening for ourselves. I do 30 minutes, Ella do 30 minutes, and then we do 30 minutes as Run the Jewels. And we just noticed, you know, the Killer Mike fans were coming, give it up, give it up for L too. LP fans would come, give it up for Killer Mike too. And then there was these other kids that were just other kids. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, the other stuff is cool. They jammed. It was like, okay, yeah. But when the Run the Jewels shit came on, man, they went bananas. I mean, that's what's been great to see from uh, kind of a fan perspective is realizing that there's certain people who don't particularly know LP and Killer Mike. They nah. know Run the Jewels. <laughs> exactly. You know? and that's, it's, obviously, it's dope to have all of that collection, yeah. but it's great that there's that, that yeah. outside element that are just... Yeah, yeah, like my daughter's 17 years old, man, and there are kids in her school that know Run the Jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. what they know. You know, yeah. they know her dad's Killer Mike. That feels what? good, right? Yeah, exactly. That feels you know good, right? <laughs> Hell yeah, because you're pulling up to high school, you're 30-something-year-old dad. You don't expect yeah. a 17-year-old kid to be throwing up the pistol and fist at you, but that's, <laughs> right. what's, that's what's happening. I've seen babies on Instagram throwing Bruh. up the pistol and fist. This, is, this is toddlers, I, all I, ages. I said, so I'm just going to do an RTJ day where everything, like every 30 minutes, I'm just going to tweet a different picture because yeah. I got so many, I'll never get to <laughs> yeah, do it if yeah, I just do yeah. one a day. But yeah. now I've seen babies, poodles, like no bullshit. <laughs> I have a picture of a woman and her poodle throwing up RTJ. That's it, the shit right there. Yeah, man. And it, you know, for me, I grew up a rabid Wu-Tang fan. Yeah. Because Wu-Tang fan, Wu-Tang, you know, as a as a band, was a dope band. It was a dope individuals. They had a dope concept. I felt like I was a part of something. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. never, every artist wants it, but I never knew that I'd have a family and a fan like this. I never knew I'd have this type of exchange because the closest thing I've seen to it is Wu-Tang. You know, yeah. and it's... um. It's it's an honor to be on that stage when those pistol and fist go in the air. Yeah. It's an honor to perform and give up an hour and some odd minutes for y'all. It's an honor, and Ellen and I really appreciate it. You know? I mean, it's it's great. I mean, that shows afterwards. Um, I mean, uh, it's weird because it's f- for me, it's kind of become the norm in the rappers I see and associate with. But it still should be praised that you, you're there after the show. You're meeting the fans. You're Absolutely. having f- photos. You're you're Absolutely. hugging it up and kind of. Absolutely. taking all that in and that's I don't know it shows that you're you, you know you do appreciate that you're aware that it's blowing up but it's, it's blowing up because of these kids too and I appreciate these kids like you know a lot of bands blow up groups bands you know individuals blow up and their fans resent it because they yeah. get further away from them yeah, 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 and yeah. the fans feel like their thing is being taken away. Well, we'll run the jewels. It, it hasn't been like that. Our yeah. fans have, like, I just read a, a crazy tweet. The fan was like, um, I just, I don't want to get it wrong. It was crazy. I just pulled it up, too. The, the fan was literally like, usually I'd be mad 
that, you know, my group is blowing up, but like I'm really sincerely happy for L and Mike. You know what I'm saying? They deserve yeah. everything they get. And that's a that's a real sentiment. That doesn't have anything to do with, hey, I just like this band. That has everything to do yeah. with like I really care that these two human beings who worked hard to do dope music are getting the opportunity to be congratulated and lauded for the for what they've done. And that's a that's a hell of a sentiment. And I'm thankful, you know, for all of our fans for that. Yeah, and I think that's that's gotta be down to the fact that you've both it's a cliche, but you've, you've paid dues. You know? Yeah, I've <laughs> been doing this long enough that it's kind of you can't get mad when it's going this well. It's 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 a beautiful thing to see. It's a from. blessing, man. Like if someone would have told me this is the way my book was going to be written, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'd have believed it. Yeah, you know, if someone had told me, like I remember a friend telling me, he said, "Man, you know, you're not even a, a real band, like a real artist to you." Ten years in, you know, ten years of pain and suffering and fighting and trying to be understood and recognized. And it's crazy when that point comes, right? Exactly. Sneaks up on you. Exactly, because you're not expecting it. Because by then, you're just like, I do good work, and I'm going to keep doing good work. And if it doesn't get recognized the way I think it should be, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do good work. And then it starts to get recognized. And then you're like, oh, shit, I might can't go to the store. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I might need to figure out going to the store at an earlier time. Yeah. Because if I go right now, I'm probably going to have to be in there for hours, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. I, th- I think it's crazy as well, because I think when you've been doing it for 10 years or whatever... It's a weird thing that when something blows up, you suddenly also realise that you've got a back catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that these kids that are getting around the jewels, there's, there's, there's four or five albums for them to go, and numerous collaborations man, for them kid, to go back over. Man, man, a kid hugged me tonight, man, and he just said, Mike, man, he said, Cain and Abel off Sunday Morning Massacres, thank you for dropping that. Sunday Morning Massacres was a series of freestyles I did in 2008. Crazy. DJ Greg Street just yeah. compiled and put out this year. They were supposed to come out in 2008, but yeah. for whatever reason, I just didn't didn't put them out. But like that kid is is jamming it like it's a brand new tape. Yeah. Like he is rapping the lyrics. I don't even know the lyrics. I was going to say, that's what I was gonna say <laughs> the crazy shit is when the, there's the lyrics that you don't like. If they called that song out during a, a show and said, "Can you do this?" You would be like, able nah, to. It's like, but, I don't know how that goes. But he, those crazy. You tell the, me how it goes. Exactly. Exactly. I get that first line. Like, I know those words. Why do I? It's like, oh, that's my record. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing though um so you mentioned having kids like yeah, how do you find that how do you find that a balancing it with with it suddenly bl- blowing up because again another thing that's nice to see is some people it will blow up and they'll kind of sit at home and think cool it's blowing up but, yeah. but you guys are hitting the road and you're hitting yeah. it hard to cement this and to say look this is blowing up but this Absolutely. is going to continue this isn't just Absolutely. a briefing Absolutely. so how do you how do you balance that with well my with children and their dad has for the most part been a rapper like that's what yeah. their dad has done and um you know so this is what i do and and they get it so when i'm at home my time with, with them is with them you know what i mean I, I don't find many distractions when i'm at home besides running the business and being a regular dad yeah but you know my dad i mean my kids understand that my dad's a rapper and they and they get it because i'm not a rapper at home i'm yeah. just their dad you know yeah, i'm yeah, not yeah. at home you know flossing and bossing like i'm just at home as their dad i'm taking out the trash yeah. i'm helping their, their stepmom wash the dishes you know i'm, yeah, I'm doing yeah. just regular dad stuff and that that sense of normalcy allows them to be able to look at their dad on stage and stuff as you know oh okay yeah this dad's job but dad is still dad so for me you know having kids is the most rewarding thing because it gives me something to be proud of besides myself yeah have they been have been to many of your shows yeah yeah and how's that, that? how's that are you feeling do you feel 
different as you're going on and knowing you. Well, yeah, I temper the language a little, but then again, kids in my family can curse as long as they use it in proper context. You know, my grandparents be. started that. Yeah. But, but the kid, I'm, I'm proud at the shows because my kids get to see that dad's away, but he's away working and he, he, and this is what dad does. You know, they get yeah. a chance to see it. I bring them out on stage when I bring them out, you know, I got a chance. My oldest son is really in a skateboard and I got a chance to do Tampa skate park. Shouts out to Brian and the guys down there. I got a chance for him to come down and he just hung out and skated with his favorite skaters from across the world. Like yeah. that's an opportunity. A lot of working class dads wish they could give yeah. them sons. And I just think basically still just like a working class dad. So for my job to have these perks, like they sent some cool clothes and winter jackets and stuff to us tonight and I just told them to send it to my kids size so now my yeah. kids get some cool stuff so it, I, I like the fact that my job benefits them benefit and they them like the way. fact that they get to travel on occasion and they get to see cool things that makes you know it matters to me you know yeah so so when you're home, um, I mean, we touched at all uh, briefly before this started about your barbershop. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't completely aware of that. Explain yeah. it a little. What's the... It's called uh, a swag shop. The it's um, shave, wash, and groom. It's um, almost three years old. And I always wanted to own a barbershop um, for many different reasons. A barbershop was a center of the community, in the black community in Atlanta. And the black community, period. But... In a men's community, a barbershop is a very sacred place because working class men couldn't always golf. So the closest thing you had to a golf club was a barbershop. Yeah. You got to go, have a drink, talk some trash, see what was going on in the neighborhood. But it really was a place where the community met and, you know, things got discussed. It really is a place where jobs are given. You know, I employ nine people. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you think about, oh, it's a guy, he raps, he smokes weed, he gets drunk, he's running around the state. Like, yeah, but I employ nine people. I'm responsible for nine people's life. I can't. You know, I can't be a wild out guy all the time. So a barbershop is, to me, it's a, a, a first line of offense and defense to get stuff in the community and to keep boy BS out of the community. Like in my shop, there are no drugs sold in or out of my shop. There's no smoking in front of my shop. It's an environment in which men, women, and children feel safe and comfortable. You know what I mean? Kids get a haircut. They get a free Hot Wheels or Matchbox car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just to kind of inspire them to this little toy you have, you can really work hard and you can get this car for real one day, you know? Yeah. So for me having a barbershop, I, I wanted to stay anchored to the community in a different way. Way that a lot of rappers don't. A lot of rappers, a lot of people, period, and they start getting money, start to separate from the community. And I didn't want that. There was a barbershop that inspired me called Rudy's. And um, they were out of the Pacific Northwest. They were up out of Seattle. And they started right around the grunge time of grunge. And Rudy's ended up being a franchise, some really dope artistic barbershops. And I just got off on the concept of marrying my influences. I love cars and art. I love photography. I love street art. Um, and my barbershop, all of that represents it. If you're on IG, just go to swag shop underscore ATL and look at, you've never seen a barbershop that looks like yeah. this, you know? We got two female barbers. We got barbers from around the country. So I just wanted a cool environment that the community could come to. And we're going to have 150 of them ultimately. We're going to have three in every market um, in the United States, the top 50 urban markets. And I plan on coming to London, plan on getting to Australia, plan on getting it. everywhere we can because I just I like men's barbershops. I like a place yeah. where men can go and be guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of the last vestiges for masculinity. So it's great that it's 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 using that as 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 you said as as a positive influence on the community and being an actual yeah, having a place that isn't 
that isn't a community s- s- center isn't isn't some kind of thing that people aren't going to want to go to because exactly. it's some government or some you know exactly. some exactly. sports center that is you know is forcing you know a real place that you can just go and exactly just go chill like man i keep you know when magazines like mike we're going to send you magazines now nah, i don't send them to my house send them to my barbershop yeah. <laughs> you know i want to send you some beer now nah, don't send me no beer i don't need any beer send it to the barbershop it gives me an opportunity to share with the community what happens here too like yeah. i pick up stuff on the road i take it to the shop i post it in the shop i put in the shop the art that people give me on the road yeah. i put in the shop i just want to inspire people to do for self you know i represent you know, people say, oh, man, you know, President Obama got unemployment down to 8% in the United States. But black men's unemployment is not 8%. Mm. Black men's unemployment hovers around 12 to 14%. Yeah. You know, that's a very high percentage, you yeah. know. And these are also the people who are virtually tacked by the by the war on drugs. So, you know, what, what trade or skill can these young men go? My little nephews who are graduating high school who may not want to go to college. My own son. My own son. I, I wasn't satisfied with how hard he worked and didn't work at points in high school. So I didn't send him to a four-year university out of my pocket. I sent him to a two-year university to get an associate's degree and to get a trade in barbering. He'll come and work in the barbershop. Then when he goes to a four-year university to figure out what he really wants to do, he'll have a trade to feed himself. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to be an employer. You know, I want to be able to provide jobs and compensation for people so you know for me that's another thing too like I if the the entertainment class in my country can create a whole other stream of revenue and I think we have a responsibility to do that in our communities if your rapper or, or musician is only giving you a shout out they're not doing enough for your community yeah you no, know nice. uh, that you know if you say oh man he has a fifty thousand dollar chain you know that's cool you could own a couple barbershops with that you can own yeah. a restaurant with that you can you can supply you know, revenue and, and, and provide an economy and an economic ecosystem to your community. So that's what I feel compelled to do. And that's what I'm going to do. You know? I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point of how, I mean, particularly, we'll obviously get onto this, but with everything that's going on in America at the moment, particularly in the black community, um, it's easy for people to tweet about this to get involved to be to be political or social all of a, a, a sudden yeah. but i think you're right that that's not that's not enough that's and or, or even even to the extent it's easy to go on a march yeah. it's easy to go on a march and that's cool it's important that people are marching exactly and are getting on board but that's just that's part not going to solve it exactly it's, that's just part of the work see the 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 march is the march is a ceremony yeah the protests are a ceremony you know when you get married that you, you want your wife in white, you want her walking down slowly. You want it to be a spectacle. It's a ceremony, and yeah. it's a it's a it's a time honored and needed, and it's an honorable ceremony. But the real work happens po- pre and post that. Yeah. The real work happens with, you know, a lot of the civil rights movement was paid for and underwritten by black millionaires who had made their way in business. You know, you look at Herman Russell, God bless the dead, he just died about a week ago. He was an 83-year-old real estate developer and and builder in Atlanta. He had probably the largest black um, um, development firm I know in the Southeast and possibly in the nation. He was a very quiet man. He wasn't on the front lines marching, you know, but you'll see pictures of him with those leaders because he was the one underwriting, you know, buses to get people places. He was the person that that I live in a neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood called the Collier Heights in Adamsville. And the Collier Heights was the first, one of the first communities and one of the largest, most prominent communities built by black people for black people after World War II. Yeah. Well, he got 
a contract to do Fulton County Stadium, which was a Brave Stadium where they played in the Falcons. And because he that contract enriched him, he built right in that community. Yeah. So I grew up four streets behind him because he and other rich black people like Dr. King's father lived in that community. Um, Ralph David Abernathy lived in that community because they were there. My school system was better. Yeah. Because I lived in a real mixed community. We lived on the front on the working class area. So because of him, I went to better schools. I was educated better. So I've been a good fortune of this. So I understand the importance of business people. Mm-hmm. I understand the importance of good people that do great business, that have morals and ethics. You know yeah. what I mean? All business people aren't evil and bad. So it's needed in my community. We need, we need less people talking about what I bought that depreciates and more people investing in things that appreciate that appreciate your community. Yeah. Jamal Mashburn is a is an idol of mine, not because he played basketball well, but because the man owns 83 restaurants, you know, TGI Fridays, things like that, I believe. But he employs hundreds of people. Magic Johnson brought industry to Atlanta, came yeah. to Atlanta, opened Starbucks, opened movie theaters. You know, he gave people jobs. And I think that that's what we should be doing. And you get that profit and you enjoy it. My wife drives a BMW. Yeah. You know, she she has a she she buys, you know, she, uh, she's getting a Louis Vuitton for Christmas and that's cool. And with that said, I help nine other families be real families, you yeah. know what I mean? So, so do you think that's something that's dropped out in in recent years because it feels um the kind of the urge and or natural urge and reaction to give back to the community w- w- when you got successful um was a huge thing in the 70s, 80s and yeah. 90s when when basketball was becoming the biggest sport in the world yeah. and a lot of young black Americans were getting to suddenly make a lot of money. Yeah. Just, why do you think that's... Do you think it's to do with hip-hop and, and how rap is that it kind of... Well, a lot well, of people are making money to make money and to have yeah. money rather than to... Well, and that's fine. You and, but, you know, I think people take give back as charity. I'm not talking about charity. I'm talking about industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about creating yeah. an industry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, completely. You know, uh, a friend of mine has a clothing company. And, you know, I won't name his company because I don't know if he wants this known. But he has a clothing company, very big clothing company. And with that said, he also has a printing company. Mm. So he can print your clothing line. Yeah. You know, having a clothing company is as easy as outsourcing um, people in Asia. You're coming up, paying a designer, shipping your stuff back to America. I have a company. But that's different from I bought an old printing company, yeah. kept the people employed there employed. Yeah. And now not only do I have a clothing company that is making me money, I'm also having something that's made in the USA and giving U.S. citizens yeah. jobs. Yeah. So when I'm talking to you, and I'm not, it's nothing against charity, but... I'm talking about creating an industry, creating yeah. creating an industry, and that's what and having, I see. Is having the, the, that motivation to do so, Absolutely. that motivation to, to to create industry rather than yeah, just yeah. more of the straightforward. Yeah, and it's it, yeah. It, it's it, it's um you know it's impressive to buy nice stuff, but it's more impressive to provide other people with the opportunities to to earn yeah. and buy nice stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. No, definitely. Um, well, I mean, obviously, we're talking about community and 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 skirting around a a lot of things i one of the things i wanted to talk to and i've been doing a few tweets and and facebook things recently and i feel that with everything that's been going on in ferguson with 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 eric garner with i feel that it's jumped out to me as an observer from across the pond that you that your voice feels like a very important one at the moment and the reason for that is if i feel particularly I guess partly because of the run the jewel stuff maybe but it feels like you've got the ear of the black community and the white community and I feel that the problems going on at the moment need 
attention from from both sides. It's Absolutely. not something that just Absolutely. the black community can heal. It's yeah. not something that just the white community yeah, can it's heal. A hum- so, it's a human problem. Yeah. You know, the, hum- the human problem is that as humans, we have allowed ourselves to get comfortable in um, boxes that we were put into. We've allowed ourselves to be cordoned off like animals. We've allowed ourselves to be to be separated by sex, by religion, by race, by creed, by color. When at the end of the day, we're only human beings. Like you're yeah. white with long hair and a narrow nose because at some point, humans migrated out of Africa and came to a colder climate. So their nose needed to be narrow. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, their yeah, yeah. hair needed to be longer to keep their keep their face warm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And recessive genes, recessive genes reduce the pigmentation. That's pretty much the only difference. We're still both human beings. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We, civilization both started on the continent of Africa. So we are as, as much the same as we are with small little differences. And with that said, no human being should live under the tyranny of government if promised freedom. Yeah. You know, and America prides itself on the story we're told from the time we're five years old up that we broke free from the tyranny of taxation and um, um and, 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 and monarchy. Yeah. You know, we broke free from that. Yeah. You know, we, there was a little riot called the Boston Tea Party that we celebrate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my thing is, if, if, if promise that, and my people, black people in America, only 51 years into that promise because we had to fight. We, 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 we won ourselves out of slavery, got our full rights after the antebellum period. All of that was wiped away. Then we went back into a series of Jim Crow. Then we had to fight for our civil rights again, which not only won our civil rights, won the civil rights for more people than us. Yeah. Got those civil rights. And now for the last 51 years, we've still just kind of been B-level citizens. And I'm tired of being a B-level citizen. I was promised everything the United States preamble, Bill of Rights and Constitution gave me, and that's what I want. Yeah. And I don't want that just for me. I want it for my neighbor who may not agree with my lifestyle. I want it for the guys who don't agree with me, period. Because we deserve that based on this is what this country based but um promise us and even if a country had not promised that i am a human being and i have an enable and inalienable rights that were given to me that are god given to live as long as i want to live to live peacefully and not hurt others to procreate to live to love and then to die peacefully i shouldn't have to be a battery for a war machine i shouldn't have to try to figure things out um outside of the realm of my real possibility so for me it's important for me to not only speak as a black person because i know i'm black and i have a responsibility as a black man to speak to say hey you're looking at unemployment as eight percent but excuse me mr president it's at 14 percent for me yeah you get what i'm saying i have that responsibility but bigger than that i have to to come to the same conclusion that martin king came to after he earned civil rights on the behalf of melanated people what he discovered was the same conditions that are creating the oppression that, that that suppress this 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 group of black people that are in america they suppress white people in the appalachians that mm-hmm. are poor they they oppress you know the asian asians that were used to, to build the railroad systems they oppress the native americans that are that whose land was stolen to put on reserves and he started understanding that this really is a thing of poverty it really is a thing of of a perpetual war machine it really yeah. is the tyranny of government in a different way and that's where his focus shifted so for me to keep arguing just the black side doesn't take the fight where it really belongs the fight really is a human fight against a system yeah completely completely and it's fascinating because just touched on that i find it interesting over here i think that it might be a slightly different fight if for example the police were armed over here and things like that because i think over here 
the poverty line isn't as heavily weighted nah. in race. You know, I, I think they, over here, it, it, there's a lot of, of white people who would, who would end up having the same things Absolutely. done to them, the Absolutely. same stuff happen. Absolutely, um, Absolutely. And then I think... Yeah, I don't know. It it wouldn't be as easy for the media to push it as just a race thing, as just this Absolutely. or just that. And Absolutely. Yeah. So it's important that I speak to both sides and all people. You know, I'm a human being, and I can empathize with the fact you're white, and we share some of the same experiences. So yeah. I have empathy, and I definitely have sympathy for people that suffer. And I think that, um, you know, there are a special set of BS things that black people in America go through. There's yeah, a whole yeah. other set of rules for us. And with that said, we have the responsibility to organize on our behalf, but to also be voices and advocate for people globally mm. that are treated like us. Because it's, you know, in, in some other countries where there's no black people, it's a whole other group of white people that for whatever reason get oppressed the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we are to be the examples um, of what can potentially come good out of that. You know, how can you organize, plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize your way out of it? So, yeah. you know, I'm down for advocates and allies no matter what race, creed, or color. Yeah. So so what do you feel, um, Or I mean, it's a huge question here, but what do you feel <laughs> the solution is or a path in that right direction? I found it really, I went to... Um, a, a one of the rallies over here for Michael Brown. Yeah, um, thank you. And I mean, it, it, it was a strange experience for me because I felt I needed to be there to show my respects, but equally it kind of felt, what is this this d- d- doing? Um, and I, I argue with people a bit because it's it sounds like I'm saying the only solution is violence, but to me, standing there and protesting against protesting in the way that a system prefers you to protest when what you're protesting is that system yeah. seems somewhat well, redundant well, to me because it's, protest- not, it's not just the police that yeah. is the issue here it's the people that have cleared the police and, and everything absolutely. all absolutely. the way up so we've particularly in England where it's all cleared and sanctioned if we've had permission to come and protest at this point the peop- it's the system that you've got permission from that's what you're protesting against so again I kind of I left feeling I'm glad I went but I also feel it needed more. It needed something well, else. Well, part of it is ceremony. Again, yeah. yeah. Part of it, you, you have, you need the ceremony because people need people need to experience camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Completely. You have these beliefs. I have these beliefs. We live thousands of miles from one another. Yeah. But at protest and rally, you get to see the camaraderie. Yeah. You know, if I'm a black kid that's getting the shit kicked out of me by the cops three, four times a year, then I feel very lonely. I feel like, man, this shit is happening. Why is this fucking just happening to me? Yeah. But if I show up at a rally, a protest protest, sanction or not, and see people who look like you, I understand and have allies that yeah. look like the people I perceive as being my yeah, prefer- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, oppressors. And I understand that from a human level, it doesn't allow that grain of hatred to grow past the system. Yeah. So what remains the hatred is the system and the upholders of the system. So you need the ceremony of protest, sanction yeah. and unsanctioned. You need these ceremonies because it allows people the opportunity to congregate. It allows people the opportunity to see. And it shows government and these institutions the number of sympathizers that come after that i think that's one of the things that's key i think the government and the system is showing that but also it equally shows with the protests in all the different states across america absolutely. that it's not a ferguson problem, but then in england absolutely. in, in absolutely. europe that absolutely is, again as you were saying that it's a human problem absolutely. it's not people it's not an american problem absolutely. it's not a ferguson problem absolutely. so yeah i guess some of the most the touching element. things i've seen is you, you you see pictures from Palestinian children. Yeah. 
that say Black Lives Matter or yeah, we yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Syrian children. You know what I mean? You, you get to see, um, you get to see t- children in, in parts of Africa. It it just matters because, man, it sure doesn't feel as lonely. Mm, yeah. You know, it sure doesn't feel yeah. as lonely. And a lot of times. That hopelessness is what will have a child strapping a bomb to their chest. Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. If, if you wipe out the ability to hope, anything is up for grabs. But if you leave the ability for people to see that there's people advocating for you, that even if you don't see them on a daily basis, there are people that care about your campaign, then you maintain hope so that you don't have to go to the extreme of violence. Now, the other thing is, and I'm in agreement with you, if the system does not change by the will of the people, then it is the responsibility of the people yeah. to attack and take down tyrants mm-hmm. by yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. means necessary. Yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think the, the 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 Palestine thing is interesting as well of, of, of people showing support in all different areas of the world because I think it's easy as well for Americans who maybe aren't that moved or, you know, acknowledge it's a problem but kind of think well still we're still living in america we're still yeah. living in a good there's good exactly. but it's great to see things like that that are saying like there's hot terrible shit going on in palestine at the moment but that yeah. doesn't make what's going on in america any less important exactly. or, le- or more acceptable it's like exactly. yeah there's some bad shit going on but that doesn't may- mean that this is fine and this exactly. should be ignored exactly. and, and, and and moved on from exactly exactly so easily um so uh, i think another th- a, a, a term i think um is getting misused or misinterpreted again i'm kind of I'm, i've been trying to stay quietly attentive to a lot of what both sides of the argument are saying and i think something i've seen a lot of 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 white people um getting confused about is the term a, a white privilege so yeah. i'm seeing a lot of kind of people who are working class or work hard saying i've not got a white privilege i work but i think it needs to be explained how much of a misconception of what a, yeah white, white privilege, privilege is. It's mean. not. It's not about getting all the breaks or this. No. It's a. It's the, you the, have the, the benefit of doubt. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. That isn't afforded to others, and it's not saying, "Oh man, you're bad. You have white privileges." No, yeah. you have the benefit of doubt. There are certain questions like when a, when a white mother puts a coat on a child. It's you know go outside come back in, and this is a cartoon I saw from like 20 years ago, go outside, yeah. come back in, you know, don't talk to strangers, yeah. right? The stranger is the danger, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. When a black child goes outside 20 years ago in the day, go outside, do not get, talk to strangers, do not get in the way of policemen. Why, like it, it turns into a, a, whole whole, list. Yeah. a whole grocery list of things that no child should have to think about. Yeah. A child should only think about, do I have on my coat? Do I have my mittens at? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. That's simple. Yeah. You know, that's ideally that's what every child, but man, black children don't, don't, don't have that. You know, not yeah. in America. Like they, they, we have a grocery list, especially our boys, that yeah. our boys have to learn by the time they're 12 and 13. Because you just want them, you want, forget kidnappers and killers and gang members and all the other, all the other fear things that are thrown at you through television. You got to worry about the police, the police and the people your parents pay taxes to sanctioning your child's murder. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's just a different set of worries. So, you know, white privilege isn't saying, "Oh, you got it better than me." We hate you. No, it's just saying, "Hey, you get a break." And There's because a perception, be, completely yeah, because of perception, and since you do, I need you for an ally. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, I need you for an ally, yeah. you know, because you understand what it means to work hard. You know, you're a tradesman. You get it, too. But I need you for an ally over here. Uh, the policeman, the police chief in Richmond, California, which is can be a very violent place, yeah. can be a very wild place for black and brown people in particular, stood up with a sign today or yesterday and said black lives matter. You know, that's pretty that's, that's pretty weighty. Yeah. You know, that's pretty heavy because he is breaking ranks with policemen nationally. And he hasn't he hasn't cast against police. He isn't saying I don't believe he isn't, but he's simply saying that the life of the people I police matter. Yeah. Like think about that. This is a policeman saying the life of the people I police matter. You know, and if more policemen had that attitude, you would see more cops thinking before a trigger is pulled. Yeah. You know, I think that the police need more. I think that... It's, 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 it just blows my mind that that's a statement that needs to be made. You know, yeah. I mean, that is a hugely big deal. But when you actually strip it down and go, damn, that should be a given. That, should, that, that, that shouldn't have to be made. But yeah, at this point, it does. It. You know, police don't get out of their cars anymore because they're only one. There should be two police in a car. Yeah. Police should be required to get out of their car for a number of hours and walk and meet people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in an ideal situation. Okay, going, going back to community, as you were saying, of the police being, and again, it isn't the way in the UK anymore, but it used to be my gr- a granddad was a policeman. And it's, you know, it, I'm, people I'm proud of that exactly. because he was a good policeman. He was doing good shit. Exactly. He, was, he was a good, he was one of the good guys. And exactly. I, you know, it's not to say that there aren't any of them anymore, but you don't get to see if they are or are not because they're behind a yeah. windscreen. And our police are becoming more like special forces. They're yeah. even arming them like special forces. Yeah. You know, when police... But they're not training them are like special forces. And no. that's, again, a huge concern from this side of the pond, seeing that we do have armed police over there, but they are trained... To the to, to Yeah, they, they know what they're doing. So some defence of, of some of the stuff that's been going on in America has been, oh, the, you know, s- s- someone has panicked in somewhere, somewhere like that. It's like, that's not defence. That, that shouldn't be that's an option. Fear. And again, it's, it comes back to white privilege there of if the excuse is that someone panicked, they wouldn't have panicked in the same way if that was a white face that was, was there. There would have been more of a Absolutely. controlled Absolutely. Absolutely. approach, there, I guess. There was, there, was a, there was a white protester early on in Ferguson that said, at 18 years old, I shot a policeman with a BB gun. I'm still alive. Yeah. You think about the power yeah, of that statement, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so this I was reading a passage by Noam Chomsky today that just basically said Reagan was a vehement racist and he used the um and this is Noam Chomsky, this isn't the black rapper saying this, yeah. who wrote Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was a vehement racist and he and he used the war on drugs to to criminalize um, just being a black man and eventually that pours over into other ethnic groups but you know that we have had a cold race war going on against black men in my country since they landed there yeah. you know and we didn't come voluntarily you know someone came and got us yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's been this fear this paranoia you know since then but if Nat Turner moments were going to happen they would have happened again and again by now yeah. black people are just trying to be normal regular citizens enjoy their life live a good life and die happy the same as everyone else but it feels like we're being cast in a part of a play we didn't volunteer to be a part of yeah. you know I don't want to be your goon I don't want to be your I don't want to be the bad guy in your story you know tell your story go find your 
real bad guy. We just want to live and exist. Yeah. We have the same human conditions that everyone else has. When people say black on black crime, what do you mean black on black crime? Black on black crime happens because you have crime amongst the people who live near each other. Yeah. You know, if you live in all white community, burglaries aren't called bur- white on white crimes. They're just burglaries. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. you get burglaries, you get murder, you get that in any community. But for the state to use that as an excuse to sanction murder, nah, it's no that fair. crazy. It's that, that that crazy weird need to categorize only in certain situations. It's, it's something in hip hop that's always annoyed me with female rappers. Yeah, there's just some dope rappers out there, it, you know, rappers. but they will only be referred to as female rappers. Yeah. They won't be, you know, this and that. And it's yeah. it's a similar thing, it, as you Absolutely. said, with black on black crime. There's, there's, other than that, there's just crime. Just cr- that's, exactly. You know, that's, exactly. That's just crime. It's kind of, um, but I mean, let's go back to kind of some some solutions. And there was a song uh, three, three years ago now, I think, by B. Dolan and Jaziri X um, called Film the Police. And it felt like something that was, it's, it's been painfully irrelevant repeatedly over the years. Yeah. But something that I feel has been a backlash of that, again, in what I've been observing online, is people saying how a film in the police clearly isn't, isn't well, going to help because of the the clear video footage yeah. in, in, with Garner in, in, in Garner particular. case. It's like the clear video and then been... Well, this uh, is what's going to happen. Either these cops are going to start being held accountable and you're going to start seeing prosecutions happen and cops that are abusing power going to jail so that other cops will adjust their behavior mm-hmm. or you're going to start seeing people attacking policemen in the street. Yeah. And it's no, it's, it, that's it. There's no way around it. Yeah, yeah, completely. That, that, that is, those are the two alternatives. And if you don't believe me, they were just a black and a white cop were arresting the guy in Baltimore. They were over. They were being a little too rough with the guy. A white guy walked up to the cop and snuffed him. You know what I mean? Tried to yeah. knock him out. Yeah. In New York, um, some of those sloppy Times Square cops were in the middle just looking crazy, trying to arrest someone. Someone threw a barrier at the cop and hit it. Yeah. Like, people are frustrated. And everybody has been lied on by, to a, by a cop. Mm. Everybody's had a speeding ticket lie or your jaywalk. Everybody's in enough distrust so they, you know, yeah. it's yeah. believable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when yeah, 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 and yeah. when a system becomes that, the proletariat is going to push back. Yeah. Repression breeds rebellion every day. If you know, if you didn't study civics or world history, you skipped over this little thing called the French Revolution. You know, if all if only one set of people seem to have it good, then the people on the bottom are eventually going to uprise. Yeah, you know. You see, it's an interesting thing because history, I think, plays a huge part in it, and it's always I've always found it, it fascinating. In in the UK, I think with terrible uh, protesting, um, uh, 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 action in change whereas somewhere like France is amazing and I always remember reading a while back when they tried to bring um a, a wheel clamps in in France a clamping cars if they're oh yeah, yeah yeah the French as one put glue in the clamps so they were broken so instantly they had to stop doing it because they, they kind of rose up but and the thing the more I thought about that was realizing that England our history is going out as one and conquering. Yeah. There's no great history of going against those. I mean, yeah, the empire has always taken Empi- versus yeah, we've the first. We've part of it. Whereas exactly. the French have got that more a civil revolution and, yeah. uh, you know, a, a element to it. So what do you think the kind of, the, the choices there in America is, is it in an, an inevitability or is things like, because again, I think the, the dismissal of, of of the of the impact of filming the police, I think it's misplaced because I think the reason we're seeing everything now is because of people filming the police. Absolutely. There's not been a sudden... I mean, there may have been a slight increase, but there's not been a sudden crazy increase of police 
malpractice. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's being caught on camera now Absolutely. and it's being brought into public eye and addressed. Therefore, as much as it's fucking horrific to see v- video evidence of someone being choked to death, ignored, yeah. it's being seen and it's Absolutely. being addressed and causing Absolutely. the noise that's happening now. So I, I don't know, I feel it, it's wrongly dismissed in that way because the more it's no. in the public eye, even if it's even if the prosecution isn't there, it will end it up needs, sadly it, being the catalyst to, to, yeah. to, to another solution. Yeah, it needs to be filmed. It needs to be filmed because if you, if you do have a burn, if you do get to the point where you're burning police stations down... Yeah. You need to be able to pull up the YouTube and That's say, "Look at reasons these. for this." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That this is a reason for this. I, th- I think the, the other thing I've again I've kind of I've witnessed a lot of is the backlash from people defending the police, um, and it's something I've kind of argued with on on online a lot. Again, I keep referencing Abi Dolan, but, but he's he's speaking a lot a, a well about this online recently, and on one of his posts, he said. If you're if you if you watch this video and your first reaction is to defend the police, then you're in the wrong place. You're fa- you know there's something wrong with your your yeah. mind. And I get where people are coming from because again, even again with the whole film the police thing, I don't think all police are evil or bad. But yeah. that's not the issue at the moment. That's not what's being discussed. What's being discussed is the ones that are the ones that are doing Absolutely. terrible shit and Absolutely. getting away with it. So I don't know. It, it, it feels it needs to be clarified to them. It's not saying fuck the police as such. It's not saying that. It's saying fuck the the crooked police. Fuck, fuck any police yeah, the, who the, may not be crooked but are riding with and not taking action yeah. on crooked police. Or yeah, like common sense seems to be something that a lot of cops leave in their lockers. Yeah, I watched a a, um, a video once. There was a kid who was just walking by a protest. He didn't. He wasn't in the protest. Yeah. It might have been a protest for a Palestine or a Muslim community of some sort, but he, he's just a black kid who was walking by. S- security guards or police come up to him, grab him. He's like, what? Do you, I don't even understand what's going on. They then mace him. He really doesn't. And, and all yeah. the time, people are walking with him and the cops saying, he is not the right guy. You are, he, They didn't do anything. Yeah. He didn't do anything. And the cop is just so dead set on being, his instincts being right, that it it, it caused that kid to suffer. Um, if you look at Fergus, I mean, if you look at um, Eric Garner, at the time that they, the cops were trying to arrest him, people were telling him he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, if you're a beat cop, beat cops who used to walk the block would have had enough sense to say, hold on, yeah. let me figure out what's going on. Yeah. Because it's stupid to arrest someone and say, let the courts figure it out when you're the first line of offense and defense and you could have solved that problem there. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have the common sense to solve that problem there, you don't have the common sense to be policing. Yeah. And if your if your answer to one hand is under control by three other cops, if your answer is to a man you already have in a prone position because he's on his side and his hand is out saying I can't breathe to keep an illegal chokehold on them, yeah. my gut instinct says I wish somebody would have walked out of 38 and put a bullet in your head. Yeah. And kept walking. That's my that's my gut instinct. But going to my civil instincts, my civil instincts say you should not be a cop because your ego and your narcissistic instinct to say you didn't listen to what I told you overcame your ability to preserve human life and get to proper understanding. You know, and, and, and I'm like you. 
I pray that the protest and the civil way works because the alternative is really easy. Yeah. There are always more of you than there are cops. Yeah. Yeah. There are always more of you than there are government. The proletariat is always bigger than the rulers. And at any given time, those guillotines can swing the other way. Yeah. Your net can be loaded in it as easily as ours. Yeah. You know, and that's that's my that's my thing. Like so my thing is do it now and do it right while you can because when people get fed up, they're going to burn everything to the ground. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's something you touched upon there of not being f- f- fit to be a cop um, is incredibly v- valid because, again, it feels like there was a time when the cops, the police were the great and the good. There's yeah. people now I know who... I used to work in a record store. There's people who applied for a job in the record store, didn't get a job, ended up joining the police force because they couldn't get a job in a record store. It's like, that doesn't feel like the people that we should have as as running the streets there. So kind of, is there an answer to that? Because, I mean, at the moment, obviously, the police, rightfully so, are being very vilified. So I can't see why anyone like yourself or any, you know, people with a, a straight head would want to become a police officer. I mean, uh, and, we, that's, and that's a negative thing, right? Surely yeah. it'd be better if the police were full of people who were more reasoned and were more. But at the moment, fuck, I wouldn't go near that uniform. Uh, you wouldn't of, want that uniform. Two of my cousins are currently police officers. And yeah. They're good cops, and I respect them. And it's a hard job. Um, a friend of mine, she's about to enter police academy right now. Mm. And she's going to make a great cop. She's fair. She's surely, honest. She's stern. That, that is the solution. Yeah. Rather than, you know, again, that's a long-term thing, but surely one of the long-term solutions is to get good people, good people in, from all communities. Exactly, policing. policing. You know, you need people from from the community, even if you can't police in your direct neighborhood, because that's a conflict of interest. We need policemen that are from where the communities are from. Yeah, we need people that understand working class, understand poverty. We need people to understand race in a different way. We don't need someone who just got back from Iraq couldn't find a job and is now being told to police regular citizens the same way you policed in war. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not right. Yeah. You need to have people that understand the psychology of the neighborhoods they're policing. That means as a cop, you should be seen at the PTA meeting, you should be seen at the corner store, and you should be seen in your patrol, on your patrol, not just on your patrol. Because when you're just riding through on your patrol, you're just like a you're just like a monster that comes through. Yeah. You're perceived as just somebody here to pick somebody up. You aren't seen as a savior. You aren't seen as an ally because you don't ever get out of the car. You're not a person. You're you are just a cop. You exactly. are that exactly that, exactly. which is the the vilified thing right exactly. now. So so with the new year um approaching, what do you see as the key the key progressions and changes at this point that we should be, that a regular individual should be trying to make. I mean, again, just hearing about all the different, the base level community stuff with your barbershops and things like that. Do you think just more things like that are uh, are something that that the regular person can do and to take a responsibility for themselves and their own community? You have to do locally what you can do. You got to vote locally, you got to think locally, you got to act locally, you got to buy locally because that's what, like Ferguson is 70% black. Mm. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. 70%. Like like the mother of that child said, I've lived here my whole life. Darren Wilson moved here. Yeah. She has more rights to be yeah, in that community yeah, and crazy. to determine what goes on. But if you're in the community, you have to be active. Yeah. Your police chief or sergeant should know you. 
you should have a community board and push for a community advisory board or a community liaison board on, uh, for your police department. Well, Mike, how do that make that happen? You vote for an alderman. You vote for a councilman. Make them do it or vote their ass out. Yeah. You know, demand that your demand that your policeman you can call my wife told me that you can call the police. You can have the police come to your child's school. That child, your child school, the PTA meeting, that P, the, the policeman who polices your community should have to introduce himself to the parents at the PTA meeting. Parents should take their ass to the PTA meeting, Parent Teacher Association. Yeah. You, the only way these problems are going to get solved is if they're solved at a local level and they grow nationally. Yeah. You know, our constitution and our republic is made in a way so that federal government can't just shoot mandates down to state and local laws because that disrupts the sovereignty of states. But it can go the other way. But it has to remain a grassroots movement and that on a local level, you have to become so active that you cannot be ignored. And that changes the fabric of the way things work in your community. Yeah, I truly believe that because I have a dual, you know, with me, it's going to be either or. We're going to work it in the way that the system allows us to because we're a free republic that's based on voting, that's based on you know, it's a democratic republic, or we're going to do what our forefathers did and burn it to the ground and start over. Yeah. You know, it's, those are the only two ways. There is no other way. Either you get it right within the way the system has allowed for us to do it right, and that means the system and allies within the system have to comply, or we burn it to the ground and, and that's start why, over. I mean, that's why the crazy... the, the the bloody mindedness of the system is it's got to bend and it's, it's got to break surely because the the best solution for everyone is the first solution there, rather than it having to be a public uprising Absolutely. which again it feels more and more on a on a global scale it feels more and more likely and closer and closer to that absolutely absolutely because people are tired yeah people are tired people are tired of fighting wars and they don't know why yeah people i mean people don't even know why they hate each other anymore yeah you know, I don't even know why the police hate black men anymore. It ain't like we out there shooting at the police, yeah. which we could be. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You could you could sit there at the store, man, and someone could lay on the top of a roof, take an AR-15 and put a bullet through your head. Mm. It ain't hard. But yeah. the fact that that's not happening in the community shows you this community ain't no hyper-violent community. It's a community without jobs. And you as a policeman should be advocating to bring jobs back to your community because that makes your that makes your job easier because then you're just patrolling the TV factory, making sure no one's stealing the TV. Yeah, yeah. You aren't worrying about 30 kids standing out on the block trying to find excitement. Yeah. You know? Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, are we getting up to the hour mark? So I think. As you said, people are tired, so I'm going to start to, to wrap things up and let you get some rest. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, but let's end on on, on, on what a next year holds for for Killer Mike and for Run the Jewels. Is it is it well, a focus straight on for more yeah, Run, the Run the Jewels, man? You know, it's Run the Jewels. I mean, Killer Mike's Killer Mike's need to rap, want to rap, need to perform, want to perform, need to have my ego stroke is all supplied through Run the Jewels. Yeah, completely. I'm, you know. Don't fuck up something that's working because yeah. of your ego or your narcissism, you know. Yeah. I love being on stage with my partner. I love selling out shows and kids enjoying it. A, a that, big sh a sh a shout out to LP as well because I've only got a one mic set up. Otherwise, I would have been yeah. pushing to speak to both of you boys. But next we'll time we're over, we've got to so get... We'll do it together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, 
Run the jewels, run the jewels, run the jewels. But, but that's it. You're back in the UK in June, or you're back in in Europe. You're touring everywhere again. Well, I, in I June, know we're right? coming back here because we got because we sold this show out and we got a bigger show to do. Yeah, yeah. But, so um, you're going to be at the at the forum, I believe. Yeah. In, in June, you just smashed it at Coco. And um, uh, where can people keep up to date and know? Run going down? at Run Jewels on Twitter at the real LP is for LP at Killer Mike GTO like the car GTO at Killer Mike GTO on all social media for me. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, man. It's been Love great respect. talking, and thank you for having me. Um, As a car guy, let me here. tell you too, man. You got a badass Jag. Folks know I'm not usually a Jag guy, but when when you're in London, man, you got to roll like the Londoners. And I'm telling you, the Jag you are is a hell of a car. I'll do my best. Well, thank you very much, love, my man. Love, love, love. That was the Distraction Pieces podcast episode 11 with Killer Mike and I think you'll agree that was just amazing. I recommend if you're not familiar with his work, go and check him out. Even if you're not into rap, he's someone you need to be following and listening to on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. Um, If you listen to this on the Acast app, we will have put links up as we were speaking to his Twitter, to his website and everything else. So that's a good way to listen. I'm enjoying the Acast app. I'm enjoying the reaction from you lot to the fact that when you're listening on the app, there's visuals coming up and links to give further detail on what we're discussing. And on a podcast like this week's one, I think that's that's hugely important because it's a big topic. But anyway, on to next week's show. And, and next week is the first show of the new year, and it's one that I'm very excited about as well because we have... Um, Phoebe and Will from a website called fullfact.org and fullfact.org is a charitable organisation and their job is to basically fact check stuff that newspapers claim, stuff that stupid websites are like Britain first claim and numerous other, basically all the stuff you see on Facebook and you kind of look and go, that doesn't sound legit but thousands of millions of people are sharing it because it's printed and there they check all this stuff and fact check and get the right statistics it's a hugely important thing they've had laws changed they've had things because i won't go into too much detail because you 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 should just i just listen to next week's podcast i don't want to give things away but the amount that newspapers and blogs are just taken at their word is a frightening thing in today's society so um a charity like fullfact.org is hugely important and we had a really good chat so check that out subscribe now if you can as i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast it really helps if you subscribe and get involved in that way um but yeah until next week this has been the distraction pieces podcast i'm scroobius pip you can hit me up at, at scroobius pipio that's on twitter or instagram or at facebook.com slash pip see you next week guys